Well, it's good to see you, X. Good to see you, man. What a blessing. What a blessing. I don't know if you realize or not that everybody in this church has been praying for you since the day of your accident. And you just coming in here like this with all your extremities and your head attached to you still is an absolute miracle. We love you. We've been praying for you. And we have full assurance that you are going to be okay. Amen. Amen. Your dad's been a wreck, an absolute mess. <laughs> for some reason, he's held it together. I don't know how. Yeah, by the grace of God. We love you guys. We love your family. And we love what God's got prepared for you. We're excited to see it. It is by no accident. It is not a coincidence that you are alive. You've got a purpose. God's got a plan for your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessings on you, brother. God is good. That was a little lame. All the time. Yes, that's a little better. Hallelujah. Well, it's wedding season or year or something like that, isn't it? There's been some delightful weddings Obviously, uh, ours was Devin and Shannon's. David and Wendy are recently wed. Right, David? Yep. Jesse and Corby are hiding. They're, it's a couple weeks ago, so they're... A, are they here? No, they're not here. Yeah. Devin and Shannon are wed. And this month, Kevin and Emily... They get to get married, too. They're getting married, too. Anybody else? Any single people in the... the, I know there's some over here. Yeah. Uh, Praise the Lord. So I'm going to talk this morning. We've been been talking. Stephen shared last week. I've been speaking of, as the Lord's been leading me, of of the things that God says that we are like. And I love this about this. And I, here's what I wanted to share this morning, right off the bat. And I feel like the Holy Spirit's going to really show you something very clear about who you are, who God is. And I, and I think that clarity is going to help not just define your purpose, but define your identity. And also see who God is and how much He, and how amazing He is. Um, I started out just like the first sentence I wrote in my notes is, God is so much more. And I'm thinking that's like a whole week or two or month or year in itself. God is so much more. Uh, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, he says, just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And what he's describing to us in that is that and it's not that to belittle our mindset or to so that we are become lesser than, but it's to get a real grip and a real clear picture that God is so much more than you can ever ask or imagine, than you can ever think of, than you can even process that you can come up with. God is more. That's awesome. Stephen said something last week that I kind of chuckled at because it was true. Not, I wasn't chuckling at it, the truth, I was chuckling at what he said that was true, was that we as youth pastors and, 
we kind of like get this thing ingrained into us or something about us that you, you look for little objects and things to find to teach a lesson, to, to help show the kids or people that what about how God is, about what you are, about the, you know a lesson. So you basically, we look for object lessons. I've always done it. Stephen's done it. He's done it all of his youth pastoring career. Um, we'll continue to do it. It doesn't go away, Stephen. You seem to always find stuff that... But here's the, the neat thing that I wanted to share with you guys, and this is awesome. So listen to this. God doesn't do that. God is more. Here's, here's, the, here's the, real, the real deal. God doesn't just walk around and God isn't just going around looking for things to find that he could use to teach you a lesson with. Does that make sense? Now listen to this. God is God. God is creator. God designed and created all these things, all these life issues. He created marriage to be beautiful. Not so that he could say, well, you know what? If I, I can use that as an example of how much I love them. It's like, no, I'm giving and blessing you guys with marriage because I want you to see how I am. In other words, he was the designer and creator of it all. He didn't say, well, let's see. I think I'll take that tree to teach them a lesson. No, he made the tree, made the tree, and then he says, now I want to show you what you're like, a tree. Say, well, look at all this dirt here. How can I use dirt to teach them a lesson? He didn't do that. Do you know what you're made out of? Oh, yeah, in case you forgot, dirt. (laughs) God made you out of dirt. That means dirt was first. (laughs) And I've blown my mind of all these things that God did first, and he actually did them for a purpose and a reason. And we are the pinnacle of his creation. We are, listen to this, the living redeemed, spirit-filled believers together standing as the new creation in Christ. We are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a newly formed body, vessels of God's mercy who act as God's ambassadors, soil in which the seed of God's word grows and flows out of us as trees in which the fruit of that tree is available for others to enjoy. (laughs) That's awesome. To obtain nourishment for their soul so they can find who they are. We are sheep who belong to a shepherd who are to bring other sheep into the fold. We're the temple of the living God in a world that is under renovation until the bridegroom comes and claims his bride. Let me read a passage of scripture. It's amazing. Revelation chapter 19. I love reading out of Revelation. Simply, I love reading it. I love reading out of it. I love studying it. It confuses the heck out of me, but I love it. And the Holy Spirit must 
enlighten what it's saying. But listen to this in Revelation chapter 19. This is John speaking. He says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of many peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! That's, that's, that was weak. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Peals of thunder. I can't make thundering voice. I don't have that kind of thundering voice. But I imagine if all in unison, it would be thundering. Mm. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. <laughs> Whew. Let us rejoice and exalt and, give, exalt and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. <laughs> I don't know about you, but when, when I read in the truth of God's word, that statement, I don't know why that becomes even more emphatic, more I, it, impactful into me. It's where an angel or God him says, this is the true, true, this is truly, truly, these are the true words of God, that this is happening, this is going to happen, this is going to take place, the marriage supper of the Lamb. You guys with me? Okay, come with me. If you want to come on a spiritual journey with me, this is amazing. You will be blessed. I, I guarantee it. But you got to join in. Don't tap out. Don't tune out. Come with me, youngins. So let's talk about this. What makes us a, a people that are betrothed to God? What makes us the bride of Christ? How many of you have realized, have come to, have, have known that you as a believer are also referred to now as the bride of Christ? Right? We know this, right? Okay, this is a truth. It's a truth that says this is true. What makes us that? What makes us the bride of Christ? And what is that? Is that kind of odd to you? Is that like, that's... That seems a little just odd just simply because um, you think of a bride as a woman, correct? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Amen. And, and a groom as a man, and yet we are made up of men and women and children, and, and, there's, only, and there's only one. Good point, Monty. And we are that one. As a collective unit, we are the bride of Christ. What makes us that? Guess where I found the answer? Hey, that's right. In the Bible. Who said that? But it's not going to be the answer, I think, that, or the place. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, this is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. 
the math I do, after 11 comes 12. Hebrews 11 is the chapter that we, are, we know as the heroes of the faith, the description of those who have trusted in God, who have surrendered their lives to walk with God, and what it looked like and what that looks like for us. And that's why when he says, now that you have seen these witnesses of the faith, since we're surrounded, in fact, he says, he started, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us do this. Let us look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. How is that the answer? Let me talk about it for a little bit. First, I want to share Robin and I's experience. We've been able, we've been blessed to be close with our sons and our daughter, but I'm going to talk about our sons right now because they're the ones that are married. We've been blessed to be close with our sons while they were wooing, meeting, getting to know their wives. Being with them all the way up to the day, to the day that they said, I do. We've been blessed to be able to watch them come to this place of confusion, not knowing what to do, confusion, and and even questioning, should I, shouldn't I? In fact, there was times where, where all of them, all three of them, said, should I, shouldn't I? Is this the one? Is this the one? And God assuring them that this was the one. Confirming it. And, and God, even, God even in His great mercy and kindness and goodness to both Robin and I, assuring and confirming and that this is the one for them. It's been a, uh, we've been blessed. And it's been wonderful to watch that. Not only watch that, but help them and walk, them with, the, walk with them through it. And... and and give them advice and counsel and, and all the way up to the day before. But here's what, I've, what I'm getting to with this. And I, I, I hope that we see this and I hope that we receive it and understand it. Is what makes us the bride of Christ is one word in this passage, in this verse of the Bible. In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. It's joy. Did you know that? It's joy. The joy of Jesus restoring you and I to the Father. The joy of Jesus was able to take everything that was put on Him, which is what? All of our sin, all of our failures, all of mankind's Ball drops, if you will, if you want to be like really kind about it. Taking all of that and looking to what was ahead, looking to that which was prepared for him as the bridegroom to be united and connected with a people that he calls his own, with people that trust in him, 
with people that say yes to Him and say, I do to Him. That joy was set before Him, so much so that He endured the cross to get there. And in that joy, He was able to stay focused Stay focused. And the reason I shared this, uh, just kind of just the the general perspective from Robin and I about helping our boys get this, because there were moments, there were times that it was a cross. It was difficult. It was challenging. And they continuously had to look for that day, that joyous day that they got to be with their bride. And so there was a price to pay. There is and there was a price to pay. I believe that we come to this place, and this is, I think, a place of understanding that we have been purchased by God to be His own. You are the bride of Christ that has been purchased by God to be His own. And I think that we must truly see this as we need to. So where do we start? You guys want to go with me for a minute? Let's start from the beginning. Come with me. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to put away my notes, and I'm going to share with you the gospel. So listen, let's start from the beginning. Let's get all this out of the way. God was present within himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in this beginning of God creating the heavens and the earth, we don't have a time frame, we don't have any sort of indication other than in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, all of the hosts of heaven were there that were all created. We don't know when the angelic force was created. We don't have it. There's no indication. We do know that they were there at creation. We have indication of that through Scripture. So in this creation, in the heavens of the earth, he he forms all that is. From the light to the water to the earth to the heavens to the stars to the sun. And in this creating all of this, speaking it into existence, whether it went bang, boom, or just came into existence, it happened. That's how God created it all. He spoke it into existence. But then he gets to this place of this ball, this big ball of dust that's formed with habitation. And he takes, and he, I could just picture as God, if God could, if he kneels down, takes some dirt, shapes, forms. And if you could go with me with this, but this is as God shaping and forming this creature that He had said, let us make man in our image. So how, how does God take, and He says, and He looks at, as I look at all of us, I'm thinking, we're creations of God in His image right now. And He formed us this way. You were made this way. He purposely designed you to look like you. And He formed Adam in this perfect form and said, "In his, this, is, this, 
this is our prize. But then he did something that he didn't do with any other part of creation. No other element of creation got this treatment. No other element of creation got this. God breathed his life into this man. Amazing. God breathed his life into Adam. So listen to this is what happened in this. As God breathed his life into Adam, this (laughs) dust bunny comes to life and is Adam. He's, I'm sure he looked better than a dust bunny. And as he forms and breathes his life into Adam, here's what's also happening, and this is why we need to understand this. All of creation that at this moment is just amazed. Wow. Look what you've done. Look at what you've done. The animals spoke. And I believe the trees spoke their language, the language of the trees, and glorified God and said, this is amazing. What you have done is absolutely amazing. Beyond what we can even, this is perfect. In your image is the creation And your life is breathing and living and walking around. How awesome is this? Except one. And at this time, his name was Lucifer. And he became envious of this creation. He became envious because he thought this was, I was God's prize. I was God's prize. I was God's beautiful, bright and shining star. I was glorious in my making. And now this, this is the pinnacle of your creation. Look at me. I am beyond Looking at, I am so beautiful. His pride swelled up. And in Satan's pride, that this time Lucifer's pride swells up, he raises up an army. Now how the time frame of this works, we aren't privy to it. We call it the gap theory in theology if you want to. Because how much time was from this creation to the fall to, we don't know. But as this is happening now, Lucifer, he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to deceive them to disobey God. And we know the story. It does happen. It works. Deceives Eve first. And then Adam second. Adam takes also a bite of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But here's what happened at that moment that I, if we don't understand this, we, 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 we don't understand the gospel. Is at that moment, 
at that moment, we sold out. We sold out to God's enemy. We sold out to, to Satan himself. And in that selling out, we became, we became, Adam became, and Eve, and then we, we I always say it, the, you know, we downloaded the app, we pressed agree, and we participated in sin just like Adam and Eve. Amen? And in that selling out, we became His. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Is that which God designed and created to be, to belong to Him, to have that communion, to have that relationship and that intimacy that when, when the, after that happened, God came walking in the garden and said, Adam, where are you? Where are you? God knew where he was. God knew where he was, but where are you? He knew that he had sold out. And what happened was there was the disconnect is he no longer belonged to God. Man no longer belonged to God. We belong to the enemy. We belong to ourselves. We belong to this world now. And death was part of the equation. And we know of the curse. So here's what, as that is a true truth of what happened, what happened in history, at that point, then God sets into plan the plan of salvation to restore us back to Him. And in that plan of restoring us back to Him is Himself in the flesh, Jesus, the God incarnate, coming to this world as a man in the perfect time that God had prepared and planned out to live a life sinless, as man and as God, to purchase us back from God, uh, from the enemy for God. So when we, we you know, I, as I was looking at what, you guys heard, heard the term dowry? You guys know what that means? Here's when I, I found this like perfect definition of it, and I thought that's, that's almost fitting for what has happened, even though it's not identical to it, but because it's, it's twisted in, in our world now. Um, it actually still exists in certain parts of the world. Uh, I guess in Papua New Guinea, it's a, it's a strong practice there. Um, anyway. But the term dowry is this, is that when, when a, <laughs> basically, I'm going to explain it as much as possible from what I've understood it. And I know, like, there's a twisted versions of it that I don't want us to, 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 if you can get that out of your mind, listen to this one, is when a family, a father, is unwilling to relinquish their bride, their, their daughter, to someone who wants to marry them, 
You can if you pay a fee, a dowry. In other words, you can marry my daughter, but it's going to cost you. And I thought about that. I thought, how interestingly true is that to what Jesus did? I'm going to tell you something. Satan hates you. He's not your friend. He's not friendly. He is a liar, a deceiver, and an accuser. He will trick you. He will tell you nine truths to get you to believe one lie. He'll tell you 999 truths to get you to believe one lie. He wants to drag you to hell with him. He's appointed to go there. He has no way of salvation. There's no way Satan's out of this one. Can't be saved. His eternity is already set in stone or in a lake of fire. And he wants to take as many as God's prized creations with him as possible. Do you hear me? This is true. It's very true. Read, all, read the book all the way to the end, and it speaks of it. The lake of fire that is prepared for the devil and his followers and his angels. And also those who have chosen not to receive God's grace. Those who do not put on the bride's robe. I love that. I don't know why I think that's so beautiful. Maybe because I still vision in my mind, I still see my beautiful wife walking down the aisle in her beautiful bride's gown. I still see that. To me, she's still that beautiful bride. And that's what God asks us to put on, is that robe of righteousness. That robe of righteousness is simply this. It's receiving the gospel of God's grace that Jesus paid the price. He purchased you. He purchased you and I. He paid the price of His very blood, of His very life, so that we can have life. He paid the price, the highest price that could possibly be paid. So that when Satan accuses you of all your sin and of all your failures, which he will, and he does, all we do is say the price has been paid. The price has been paid by Jesus on the cross. And what that price also includes is freedom. Freedom. Freedom to be who you are called to be. To be beautiful, purposeful, called, and amazing. That's what God paid for. So you could be you, belonging to Him. What a paradox, though, that is, huh? Free to be you, but belonging wholly to Him. Completely to Him. That's why Paul could say, I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. I belong to Christ. I am a bondservant of Jesus the Christ. I belong to Him. But yet I am free to be me. 
wow, that's awesome. Isn't that just absolutely awesome that God did this for you and for me and for all mankind to just simply receive it? Say yes. Say I do to his dowry, his life. That's so cool to me. So now what do we do? As the bride of Christ. Amen. (laughs) Let me read a scripture for you. It's in Colossians chapter 2. This is to emphasize and this is to clarify what it was that I just shared. It says, and you, and you, are you a you? And you who were dead in your trespasses. We are dead. We were dead. And the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us of all of our trespasses. You realize something real quick, a little side note. You know that the enemies hold on every individual that doesn't walk in the grace of God is unforgiven sin? What can, what can the devil do with unforgiven sin? Maybe I don't even know. We don't even need to include the devil in this one. What can you do with your unforgiven sin? What do you do in your head with your unforgiven sin? Okay, that's a lot of answers. I didn't hear any of them. Let me get one. Guilt. Beat yourself up. Shame. Oh, excuse it. That's a good one, right, boys? Huh? Wasn't me. See? What? Wasn't me. <laughs> Justify. Oh, so we just simply redefine it. Except That's what Monty was saying, basically. Let's redefine sin. It's not sin. How dare you even call me a sinner? I, I, I have no sin. I'm not a sinner. So, so what if I just sleep with whoever I want? That's not sin. That's just fun. Hello? Do, do you see what the enemy does? Because that's, that's the key, is knowing that as the bride of Christ, that's, that's what he's done in paying that price for our lives, for our very souls, is he's forgiven our sins. I love that. I don't know about you, but I love that my sins are forgiven. So you're 100% right, Margarita. I have no unforgiven sin now. In Christ, I have no unforgiven sin. And we're not, we're not of the religious denomination that I have to go to confession every time to get, to get forgiveness of my sins. Jesus did it once for all for the forgiveness of sins. Hello? I read that somewhere in the Bible. And it's true. And, but when we don't walk in that, and simply when, we, simply when we do this, we take off the robe of righteousness, we take off the wedding gown, and we just try to do it on our own. How many of you have tried it? Yeah, it, it's, it doesn't work. Because as soon as you take that step out of God's righteousness, you, you're walking into your own shame, guilt, 
your own despair, your own discouragement. You're walking in your own power, which is extremely powerless. Having forgiven us of all of our trespasses, all of them, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Do you guys hear that? That goes back to Adam and Eve. What happened when they sold out, when they ate, when they disobeyed God and ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Legally, Satan had now right to their spirit. Had rights to it. Legally, he had rights to it. Now, he owned us. In our unforgiven sin, he owns us. So much is happening here at the cross and the resurrection. So much is happening. And I think that's why I started out the statement I made, God is so much more, because so much is happening here. We've been purchased. We've been set free. We are made alive. We are forgiven. Our debt has been canceled. (laughs) That's good news. Oh, that's good is not a good enough word of how good of news that is. That's the best news ever. I can't get any better news than that. Hello? All of life's issues, did you realize this? All of life's issues stem or they will go back into this place of unforgiven sin. I know. All of my issues, the issues of my heart, is when I feel guilty or shameful, unworthy, insecure, because I don't think I measure up. It's all unforgiven sin. Does anybody still deal with that as a Christian? Thank you for being honest. Yeah. So what do we do? Let's remember who we are. Let's just remember who we are. That we are forgiven. We are the bride of Christ. We are his betrothed. We are so loved by God. It's not even, you can't even put it in words, guys. He is passionately in love with you. He sees you as absolutely beautiful walking down that aisle, coming to him saying, "Uh, this is my beloved. This is my beloved and beautiful and perfectly made. The enemy hates it when we know that. Because when we know it and believe it, we walk in it. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us of all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Hallelujah. That's a hallelujah, praise the Lord, if I ever heard one or a place for one. I didn't yeah. A little behind, but that's all right, guys. Yeah. Let me just finish up because I think this is a message of absolute perfect timing in 
understanding who we are. Um, the next time I'd like to share about us being referred to as the temple. These are all good. These are just so much fun. And again, these are not just things that God said, oh, let me think. I think that one would work to fit here. It's like, no, he actually designed all of this and he created you to fit in it. We are the church, the bride of Christ. We are broken. We're flawed. We have deep-rooted issues. But we are beautiful, and we are being made perfect. We are being transformed, and we're being prepared to meet our betrothed, Jesus, on that day. So let us never stop looking to Him. Because when we look to Him, when we look to Him, we see who we are. When we look to us, we see the broken, confused, deep-rooted issues we see the stuff. Isn't that funny? If you, if, do you ever look in the mirror? Uh, unless you're so vain. That, but I don't think it happens. I think even vain people look in the mirror and the only thing they see is their flaws. Right? I, right? The belly that is there that used to not be there. I mean, the, and the hair that is, you know, I don't know what's up with that. So I, somebody talks about my hair looking good, I just laugh. It's like, <laughs> that's funny. When we look at ourselves, we'll see the imperfections, the flaws, the brokenness. When we look to Jesus, we see the bride of Christ. Let's do that even with each other. It needs to start with ourselves, but it needs to be transferred to others. Huh. That too is a walk of faith. To see each other as the bride. Hmm. What a glorious day that will be when Jesus comes for His bride. Not only will that day be glorious in that day that it happens, but that day will continue on for eternity. I don't know why, I I just, I think that's so awesome that as we get to see Jesus, this isn't a part of the message that gets, you know, weird and intimate, but marriage is when when two people meet, Okay, one last little thing. When two people meet and there's this moment where they realize possibly, hopefully, that they're to be together for the rest of their lives, get married. Robin and I, it happened really fast. I mean, I think we dated, from my recollection, which could be off, it was only a few weeks before we both realized that we were meant to be together. Is that about right? It was right for me. She's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> She's, I'm still not sure. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
let me get a picture. I want to paint this picture as, as clearly as possible and as holy and righteous as possible. In, in other words, as truthful as possible. Is, is when these two people then become betrothed, become engaged in our language uh, to be married, that's that place where, where two are committed that, that we are, we are uh, in, in social media language, we're exclusive right? We belong to each other. We're no longer looking for anyone else. We're exclusive. We are it. And in that place and in that place, that's, that's the place that I believe, and I, I know this is, and I could get corrected on this, and that's okay if I do, is that it's that place that we've come to of, of salvation, where we say yes to Jesus. We become exclusively His, we belong to him. It's that same place of almost as an engagement, if you will. And that wedding day is that day that now that day that we have now exclusively chosen to be belong to that groom, to that bride, that wedding day is when the marriage is consummated. Now we become one. The two becoming one. This is what's going to happen at a glorious and amazing out-of-this-world wedding day when Jesus comes back for his bride. We will then, because what we know of now is, uh, do do you ever feel like just where's God I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, I'm a spirit-filled believer, and there's times in my life that I feel like God is absent from my life. Anybody else? Why is that? Because we're not, it hasn't been consummated yet. We haven't become one. That's going to happen. Hello? And what will come from that is absolutely, I don't know, but I can't wait. I literally don't know, and either do you. None of us know. He says, now we see like with, you know, a broken, faded, ugly mirror. We, that's what we're looking through. And we're seeing through this stuff. And that's all we have to go off of. But that day when our eyes are opened and we are, what is revealed is absolute purity and truth and glorious as we are that we will see as we actually are, and He will see, He sees us as we are. That day we get to see Him. Hello? And that's going to be a glorious day. That's why I am so committed to my Lord Jesus, because I long and I look forward to that day. That's why I am so in love with Him. I long and look forward to the day, and I want you to be in love with Him too. Become a part of the bride of Christ. Fall in love with Jesus. Don't sell out to anything, anybody, anything out there. It's a phony. It's a fake. It doesn't last. The sin of this world is temporary. It's pleasing for an absolute moment, and that's it. Like a sneeze. You know, that's about all it is. So let's sell out to Jesus, because it's going to be for eternity that we get a glorious, a glorious, amazingly indescribable time with Him. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. I think that's what he's talking about in the, 
the virgins waiting with their spirit filled, their, their, their lamps burning with a desire, a passion, a spirit filled anointing in their lives to longing and looking forward to whatever it is you have me to do, Jesus, that's what I'm going to do. I no longer belong to me, I belong to you. None, none more of, that was horrible language, I don't care. None more of this, well, you know, I'll be a Christian and like, yeah, 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 I'll take my ticket to heaven. And, but, you know, I still want to do my thing, you know, come on. I still want to do some stuff, I want to have some fun. That's not being exclusive. Hello? Who would stay engaged to somebody like that? Would you? No, be like, yeah, drop you, dump you like a, you know, forget it. If you're not going to sell out to me, I'm not going to, hello? I know that seems like, does God do that? No, he doesn't give up on us. Gosh, and we still do it too. Oh, man, the grace of God is really good. Because I'm a mess. The grace of God is really good. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your, the joy. I thank you, Jesus, that you took joy in seeing me as your own. I thank you, Jesus. And we say, yes, we say, I do to you, Jesus. And we look forward to the day that you come to take us to be your own completely and fully, without reservation, with all of this out of the way, that we get to just celebrate and be with you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We serve you. We are yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.